I'm Fran, and this is Consent Based Everything, a podcast about creating a culture of consent in our homes and beyond. Welcome. Um, I'm here today with uh, Iris Chen. Hello, Iris. Thank you for being here. Hi, Fran. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm obviously really excited about this uh, conversation we're going to have. I have so many things to say, and we're probably not going to be able to talk about them all, but um, I'd love if you could just say a few words about you and who you are, how you came to this work and what you do. Yeah, so my name is Iris Chen and um, I'm an unschooling mom of two boys who are now 13 and 15. And we started this when we were living in China um, about, I don't even know how many years ago, 2017, I think is when we started. And uh, it really started first as like a shift away from tiger parenting um, so I started this movement called Untigering, and it was really describing my own journey of moving away from like authoritarian, non-consensual, um, very high standards type of parenting and moving away from that to collaborative, respectful, conscious parenting. And that eventually led me to unschooling. And so we started that journey in China and then we moved back here in 2019 back to California and um, have continued that in different ways uh, since moving back here. Okay thank you um, and I was going to ask you what you know how you define on tigering but you've you've done that uh, but is there anything it, like in addition to that that you'd like to say about kind of what untigering is for you? Yeah, so I write about this in my book, too, and it's not just shifting the way that we parent our children, but recognizing that it goes back to the way we were parented, too. So a lot of it has to do with healing our own wounds as children who were perhaps tiger parented as well, unpacking how that affected us and influenced us and caused us to want to tiger parent our children, too. So it's really a twofold thing. So even if you aren't a parent you can still untiger because it's really about you know healing the ways that you were parented as well and reparenting yourself yeah and you speak a lot about that and actually okay I'll, I'll be honest with you like when when your book first came out and I kind of found out about it um I really wanted to read it uh because you know I follow you on Instagram and and I love everything that you post but uh, I, I was kind of in a phase where I wasn't really reading parenting books anymore because I was I didn't really want to be told how to parent at that point. Like I was trying to find my way, you know. Yes. Uh, and I was just like, oh, don't want to read another parenting book. But anyway, I picked it up. Uh, I started reading and I realized it wasn't another parenting book. Like it wasn't at all that because, first of all, you question the whole parenting paradigm and you go, you know, and you make a, a case for like, uh, the, you know, we have to move out of just um, gentle parenting and just like going through the motions to get our kids to do what we want them to do and just question the entire dynamic between parent and child. So I was like, yes, this is my kind of parenting book. So so I loved it. And anyway, there's so many uh 
great bits that I could like probably quote from, which I will restrain myself from doing. But um, I'd love to ask you about how like consent fits in with untigering and with kind of your journey as well of, you know, um, going from tiger, tiger mama to untigering parent. Yeah. So this is probably not necessarily anything that was on my radar until further into the work. And like at first um, in my shift, it was just like, okay, how can I stop hurting my children? <laughs> just recognizing all the harm that I was doing by, you know, trying to control them and trying like punishing them Um behavior management, manipulation, anger, yelling, all of those things. So it really just started off as like, okay, I need to get those out of my tool belt and um, learn to just see them as people. And then I think the more I leaned into this, the more I recognized like my own personal work that I had to do the more it really just became like, how do I see my children as human beings? You know, how do I see them as not mini me's or little robots that I need to control, um, but as human beings? And how would I treat a human being? Is this something that I would do to another human? And so I really began to question that. Um, I think it like exposed a lot of adultism. I write about that in my book as well, just how we assume that as adults, we can act upon children in certain ways simply because we are adults and they are children. So it's a really dehumanizing and demeaning way to see children. But I think that's sort of like the mainstream um, perspective on children that, you know, that we know better and it's our responsibility to override their consent and um you know teach them to do as they're told so I just think at, like the more I got into this work the more um yeah it really did become about consent and and that's also something that's being discussed a lot in the parenting world nowadays seeing like the traditional ways people have been raised and how that really makes them vulnerable to different kinds of abuse because they are used to um, not having their no respected. They are used to like not listening to their bodies and having other people, you know, have power over them. And so on that front, it um, I think people are becoming more aware I think, you know, when it comes to schooling, sometimes there's still the, well, yes, but, <laughs> yes, but how will they learn if we don't tell them what to do? Or, yeah, like all of those questions. But it really did, you know, come down to consent and honoring them as children, trusting them and their ability to learn all of those things that, um really empowered me to to say this if i believe in bodily autonomy and consent i cannot compartmentalize and say okay that only applies to this area i have to see it holistically and i have to question the ways that 
I automatically want to have a sense of control over the ways, over certain areas that I don't trust my child yeah. about. So it's, it's definitely a process, um, but something that I come back to again and again. Yeah, no, and it is a process for sure. It's not like an overnight thing where like suddenly you're like all consent based and you're like respecting, you know, it's, it, because it's all the inner work as well. Yes. And, I, and the other reason I think your story resonates with me so much is because um, you you didn't start off like this. So you didn't mm -hmm. start off, you know, reading all the attachment parenting books and being all like, you know, trying to be like a peaceful parent from day one. And um, and you're very vulnerable about that and very honest. And I really appreciate it because I feel like more people need to be honest about the fact that we all have different journeys and some of us have done things that we're not super proud of uh, because we're human um, and I resonate with it because actually that's kind of kind of where I was at as well when I uh, started um, when I took my children out of school I had a lot of repair work to do even though I'd actually wanted to be a gentle parent I think I hadn't <laughs> I hadn't really understood, like, I don't know, I hadn't committed fully to it. And I, I was doing, I was going through the motions of it, but I wasn't really wanting to do the inner work. And you can't really have one without the other. Um, so I had a lot of um, just building of my relationship, especially with my older child, with my younger one, not so much. But, um, and yeah, so it was, it was comforting to read your book because it's like you know it's it's not 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 too late that's what I felt you know I was like okay it's not too late for us and I really do believe that I don't know what you think about that statement but like I really do believe it's like almost never too late yeah I absolutely agree I always think of like even as adults if our parents came to us and did the work of repair and of taking responsibility for ways that they may have harmed us, like how healing that could be for us as adults, you know? Um, so it is definitely never too late. And it is like, I, having been the typical authoritarian tiger parent, I, I definitely did not start off with, um, you know, wanting to be a gentle parent at all. I had really drunk the Kool-Aid about like, my children need to obey me. And like, I wasn't going to be as extreme as my the older generation, the first generation immigrant parent who was like super strict. Um, I was, you know, going to loosen it up a little bit, but still there was definitely that expectation that my children would listen to me and would do as they're told and make me proud and all of those things. And so it has been a big, big journey for me, um, but one where I have a lot of compassion for parents who are, you know, just starting that journey or not even on it. Like when, like, I don't, have a lot of judgment towards other tiger parents because I know like the just you know the unhealed trauma perhaps or just the struggles that they are going through like the societal things you know when people send me um articles about you know what's happening over in Asia or whatever it's just like there's just so much 
contextually and culturally that is happening that that parents feel like they have no choice but to do that you know and so I I have a lot of compassion for them and just trust that like my my job is not necessarily to try to change people's minds but to continue to tell my story continue to encourage people to know that that it is possible to like pivot at any time or just to like change the angle a little bit and even that will like you know send us on a different trajectory um and and trust that the message will reach people who who need to hear it and people will will take it in when they're ready to hear it yeah i mean i think that that's interesting that you say that that it's not your job to change people's minds because because often we get all you know especially with like uh unschooling and home education you know we are all kind of campaigning about it you know <laughs> and um and I certainly had a phase where like I was I wasn't out to change people's mind necessarily but I was very you know very like this is the right thing but but then I think I think it's a phase everyone goes through because they have to cheer themselves on a little bit mm-hmm. and now I'm in a much more like um you know I understand why everybody is on the journey that they're on um and yeah to change people's minds but yeah I think your you like your book and you and your social media accounts are kind of there as like a place for people to see that it's possible Mm -hmm. and that change is possible and that you know living without school is possible yeah yeah and I think it was really important for me like especially as an Asian American as a person with an Asian background where culturally going to school and going to a good school doing well in school those were all very high cultural values family values and so like what can it look like for somebody who doesn't have anybody around them um, any representation in some ways um to to do this and like to to know that again it can be possible it doesn't have to um you know tear your family apart or whatever like there are ways to do it in culturally sensitive ways there's ways to uphold um you know cultural values while questioning others and yeah, so I think it was really important for me to, like, even as I write and and talk and share about unschooling, to do it within my context as an Asian American. Yeah, and actually, I was going to ask you about that because uh, you talk a lot about uh, culture and how um, we don't have to be like bound by it; we can kind of hold it lightly. Um, yeah, and I wonder whether you can can say how <laughs> like how would you do that I mean I'm obviously from a different background than you are but even just going back to my own culture I was born and raised in Italy like there's just some things that they are really hard to do there because it's like cultural expectations you know like one that sticks with me is like around food like we do have to eat everything that people give you you cannot absolutely like ever stop eating and like it's an insult if you don't eat it you know that kind of thing and so and they're always trying to feed you everywhere 
Uh, and for me, like it's it's super triggering, especially because like I struggled with like an eating disorder when I was uh, you know younger. So like I've been healing from that. And I'm all like, I feel good. But then when I go back into that context, I'm like, oh, God, these people. And I want to protect my children from it. So anyway, that's just, you know, something I struggle with with my culture. So I wonder if you can speak about like how you've negotiated, you know, the your struggles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, food is a big thing in Asian culture, too. And I think like in some ways, recognizing that culture, culture is like a construct, right? Culture is all man-made, like, you know, human-made in, in that, like, certain things became patterns in the culture because of the way people responded to a particular situation. So when I think of, like, the food culture in Chinese culture, a lot of it is because food was so hard to come by in throughout the history of China. There's like famine all the time. Um, so food was really scarce and food became um, a representation of love, of care, of survival and all of the those things. And so I think sometimes when I can like step back a little and recognize the roots of some of the culture, the harm of some of it, because a lot of the negative things come from trauma, but also the heart behind it, um, then I I can respond to it a little bit more compassionately, where I still hold my boundaries, but I, you know, can am able to take it less personally. So one example, um, is like, oh yeah, like when we were living in China, people would just comment on your body all the time. <laughs> they would be like, oh, you've gained weight or, oh, you've, you've gotten dark or like, oh, it's just like, it was just no filters at all. And, um, then like, yeah, finding it very offensive and then learning more about culturally, they call this type of language guanxinhua, which means caring words, pretty much. <laughs> it's like a way to like express like, oh, I'm noticing something about you. I'm like, like, you know, making sure that you're doing okay. You know, you're not getting too much sun. You're not whatever it is. Um, so it is it's just their way of communicating care. And so I I think after that, I was just like letting it just slide, just like roll over me instead of taking it personally, so personally. Um, but I think, I mean, I think it's also true that those words and and those patterns can be very um, just harmful and knowing that it can lead to like with the food, it can lead to super restriction. It can lead to overeating. It can lead to like a lot of disordered eating. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of sometimes control or pushing food onto you <laughs> in, in the Asian culture. And so I think like the way I have approached it, I think 
just I'm really grateful in some ways because we were able like our little nuclear family like me and my partner and my two children were able to establish like our own family culture that was very consensual very respectful and then so they learned to um, listen to their bodies they learned to you know, create their own limits. They learn to say yes, they learn to say no. And so I think by the time we came back to the States, my children were already older. And so my parents and my families and my community could already see like, they're doing fine. I don't need to like, you know, be on them about this. Um, so I think like creating your own family culture as well, that is really reflective of your values will empower our children like when they're out in the world to you know lay draw their own boundaries say no thank you I'm full or you know I'll stack on this later or I'm done for now you know um, and then we can also support them in drawing those boundaries as well yeah yeah absolutely I think and that kind of ties back to like the the consent aspect is also like um talking to our children about how they can make themselves heard and like set those boundaries right uh, around like out in the world especially when they go out in the world without us uh which you know my kids are beginning to do more and more and so and I find like when I'm around like they sometimes still want me to like they'll come to me and they'll be like hey this person is you know wanting me to do this can you come and like so they know I'm going to be like on their side and like standing up for them. And I think even just modeling that is important even when you and you can do that from like day one, you know, standing mm-hmm. in solidarity with them and like standing up for your child and like also uh, communicating to them that that's what you'll be doing. You know, you'll always be doing that. Um is huge and and I think that ties in with what you said about having a family culture of like what what you you know are expecting everybody to understand about your family um is is huge and and I think also like you know I always think back to grandparents because that's that's a lot of who we interact with in terms of like culture and family but um I think if the I've noticed that now that my parents know that like I will stand up for my stand up for my child and I will say something like just the fact that they know that changes their behavior I don't know if I mean this is not going to be all grandparents but this has been my parents like they know certain things about us they know what I believe and so they have modified their behavior to kind of adapt to that so it's been quite interesting to watch Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I think a a lot of it is also like for us and our relationship with our parents so like the grandparents for us as the adults to be good about drawing boundaries too so that you know they they know like we are also drawing those boundaries and not just expecting our children to. I think within the the Asian culture, boundaries are a little, like, they're pretty tricky. They're very nuanced. And because there's 
uh, like it is a very collective, multi-generational, oftentimes households are multi-generational. So it's not just like you're going to visit grandparents, but the grandparents may live with you. So like, how do you negotiate that? And I think there's this way to really like, again, honor the heart behind their intention um, and also lay the boundary. So it doesn't have to be such, you know, like a very um, strict or, you know, hard boundary where, where, um, yeah, I think it, like with, especially within the Asian culture, if you don't just want to like cut off your parents, like how to still um, honor the, the heart behind their care, you know, like, yes, mom, I think, thank you for all this food that you made for us, even though we said we didn't need it. Um, like, like, it's gonna go bad. And, you know, why don't you take half of it home? We really appreciate all that you've done for us, you know? So there's there's ways to still draw the boundary or say like, okay, we're not gonna do that, um, but still acknowledge their care, I think. Mm. Yeah. And um, I wonder, like, uh, you know, because you speak a lot about um, also, um, like, adult parents, the parents of adult children, and that kind of dynamic, and, like, I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know what my question is here, but I, I guess I'm just curious to know, like, how has that been for your parents? And I know you're very private. You might not want to share that, but you can also share kind of in a general sense. Mm -hmm. um if you know there's been like if it's been difficult for like you know your parents for example to accept what they're doing I mean and I think mm -hmm. parenting, this our schooling bit is just as like if not more worrying for parents than you know the the parenting bit right yeah I mean, I think the whole, you know, just the fact that my family moved, we were living, like, we raised our children in Asia, and my parents were living in the States. The rest of my family was in the States. And so there was already this distance in some ways. Um, and I think that was good for us. That was good for my family in terms of, like, the individuation and the just, again, creating our own family culture so that I wasn't so worried about what they might think because they couldn't observe us for most of the year. Like, we would come back in the summers for a few months, but that wasn't during the school year anyway. Um, so the rest of the time, you know, we were just living our, our lives over in China and they they were so far away they were there was really little that they could do and so when we came back our, my children were already older we had already started unschooling while we were in China and we're continuing it while we were here um like in some ways we don't go into all the details with like with my in-laws they probably don't really know what we're doing <laughs> But they've also been quite hands off, you know, that's like, oh, as long as you're fine, as long as you're healthy. Um, but yeah, and we just tell them we're homeschooling. So like some people, sometimes people like other Asians will ask, oh, how do you communicate your decision to unschool or to like follow an alternative path to your parents? And um, I know that they wouldn't accept it. And then for me, sometimes it's just like, sometimes you don't need to tell them everything. <laughs> 
Like, like if they're not really asking, they're not like wanting all the details. You can just say, we're, we're, you know, we're homeschooling or we're trying this thing that's working out for our children. We don't have to say like no curriculum, no test, no homework. We don't have to break it down for them because that might be like more than they can handle, but we can just give them as much as we're comfortable telling them um, and just focus, just focus on what we're doing as a family instead of trying to manage everybody's reactions to what we're doing. I think that's like really hard. It, But when we're doing something that very, you know, we don't see other people doing, it, it can be really hard to not get that social affirmation, or that confidence that, you know, other people are doing this and so that makes us feel safe. Um, so that might be where that instinct comes from, where we want other people to understand why we're doing this and like be on board and be convinced. But I think sometimes we need to let that go and really go more inward and just become more confident in our own internal why. Like, why does this make sense for me, for my family? Why does this make sense? Just why is this aligned with my values? Why, yeah, like all, all our personal whys so that we will feel less of a need to have others agree with us. Um, yeah, that's been my experience where the more confident I get in my own why and the why we're doing it, the less I need approval or affirmation from others. And um, yeah. Yeah. And I think there's so also, sorry, carry on. No, no, yeah, that's it. No, there's there's also I, I think this kind of narrative sometimes that I've seen that like we expect our own parents to change with us. Um mm -hmm. but that's not gonna happen. Uh, you know, most of the time. I mean, some uh grandparents and like you know, older parents might be super engaged with like whatever you and your children might be going through but like in general they're just going to keep living their life and they're probably not going to understand what you're doing and and I think that's okay like you don't have you can still have a relationship you don't have to cut people off just because they don't agree but you can establish some kind of um yeah some sort of boundaries so that you're both respecting each other's thoughts uh, around the topic and you're both respecting each other as people and your children and everything but I I was because I because I see a lot of posts about like cutting family members out of your life right mm. I totally understand if people want to do that obviously there's situations where there's been abuse where there's been stuff happened that is where it's necessary like I would never say that that's not necessary so absolutely but in terms of situations where there have been any of that and it's just a disagreement or they don't approve of what you're doing I personally like I feel I don't know family is really important maybe in in Italy and my culture so like we would never really cut someone out and there's probably a negative side to that in the sense that sometimes people are still in your life and they probably shouldn't be but there's also the side where you know we try and compromise and we don't need everyone to agree with yeah. necessarily. Yeah. 
I mean, I think that is a lot. I mean, I think it is related to our de-schooling, unschooling work as well, where it's not about conformity of thought, right? Like a schoolish mindset requires conformity of thought, conformity of opinion in order for us to have um, relationship with one another. And obviously there are, you know, like you said, abusive relationships or things where it's just like, okay, this isn't going to work. But but just trusting that, like for my parents, that they have changed a lot, but trusting that they're on their own journey too. And um, just, I don't have to, like none of my family is going, is necessarily going to be following this way of life and unschooling or whatever. And yet I can hang out with them and be with them like every weekend we get together as a family because again it's like my my goal again is not to convince them it's not for them to live my life it's not for me to live their life like I trust that they are making choices that feel right for their family and that's not that's not on me to decide for them, right? I I can let that go. That's and and still like fully confidently um, lean into the life that I want for my family without apologies, and not feel threatened by them, and not for them to th feel threatened by me. So I feel like that's part of our um, de-schooling of our relationships as well, where we can let go of some of the dogmatism, where there's like one right way, one way to do it. Everybody needs to be on board. And I know that like sometimes like the social justice part of like me wants to approach it that way, but I think relationally and, and you know, sometimes on social media, I think there's a way to communicate that in like to a broad audience, like not anything, anybody specific, like, but then when it comes to my personal relationships, I'm not going to tell somebody to, to pull their child out of school. Like when I was living in China, I would never do that because I recognize the privilege that I have as a foreigner. Whereas like a local family does not necessarily have an option. And I would never say, this is what you need to do. You know, so, um, yeah, I think, again, just how can we learn to communicate, learn to be in relationship with people who might not be on on the same page about everything, but there's enough trust, there's enough connection for us to, like, continue moving forward together to care for one another. Yeah, and I, I feel like if you can do that with family members, then you can also do that with other people and obviously there's going to be you know things that are non-negotiable for everybody and where you like you know put your foot down and but in general just in life everyday life you know we can we can try and kind of understand where people are coming from uh and still be in relationship with them without necessarily agreeing um and i don't know i feel like i've certainly like we we had homeschooling friends at the very beginning who I disagreed with on pretty much everything except the fact that we were homeschooling and uh but our kids were friends and my kids were aware that we just had very different values 
uh, and we, you know, we're still friends and uh, we've moved, moved away. We don't live near them anymore. But, um, you know, I I just felt like it, it it was okay. They they were actually really good people, like fundamentally, um, but mm-hmm. we just, you know, didn't agree on anything. Um, but we, we still managed to be friends. So I feel like maybe that's something uh, to say about the non- uh dogmatic aspect of unschooling and I'd love actually to ask you about that like I feel like unschooling can be so like this is how it is like if you're not doing this then it's not uh you're not doing child liberation or you're not um unschooling right or it's not freedom or whatever so I don't know if you'd like to speak to that Yeah, I mean, I think, again, it's like, it's a process, you know, just like shifting away from authoritarian parenting to shifting towards unschooling is a process. And so if we're so dogmatic or like, again, I think that's like creating a standard, again, an arbitrary standard of what it needs to look like, a rubric for unschooling, which is like the opposite of what we're trying to do right where it's like okay in order to be a true unschooler you need to do this 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 and I think again it's like that's just more schoolishness (laughs) how can we approach this more relationally more in process like give each other the benefit of the doubt encouragement um resisting shame because I don't think it's helpful to like, oh, well, you're not doing pure unschooling or, okay, you still have your child in in this particular activity or you're sending your child to school. So how can you be an unschooler? Like, I think it's like um, just to resist all that and to know like everybody's um, experience and situation is so unique. That's the beauty of unschooling that you can like, uh, it's so unique to the family. And I think if it's our intention or our sort of like the direction that we're moving in to um, question like adultism, to question the the domination of adults over children, to work towards that, then like we're, we're doing it together. We're wrestling through it together. And I think that's like the beauty of it because it's organic it's going to be sustainable. It's going to like meet the the family or the the child where they're at. Whereas if you're coming at it again from like um, an ideology and then trying to like place that on top of, um, you know, a situation, I think that's still like very outside in process. That's not something coming from them that they're ready to step into. And I don't think that's sustainable. And I think that that causes a lot of frustration. And so, yeah, I think it's something that we can um, just continue to wrestle with together. And like, for me, like continue to question why why are we doing these things? Why, um, you know, are we treating children this way? And yet, I still do those things sometimes too, you know? So like being uh, vulnerable with one another too, knowing that we're not doing this perfectly, that, that idea again of perfection, of 
these standards is more schoolishness. We need to let go of that. Yeah, true. And I, and I think with our schooling as well, like as our kids get older, they have an idea of like what unschooling is. And then it, it's no longer really our uh, role to like impose what <laughs> unschooling should be or if they even should be unschooling. Like, because at some point they will get to a point where they they will name whatever they're doing and they might choose not to name it that right i mean my kids are still like they're still very much like whenever we were out someone asks us like oh why aren't you in school and and i i, I will say oh we home educate or we homeschool and and my daughter will be like unschool <laughs> okay because i just don't want to open that whole like conversation and that word is so you know can be so um yeah like it can be triggering or it can also be confusing for people because they might not know it but um, yeah. we're very much still in the like this is what we're doing um but who knows that might change like they might decide that actually you know what they're doing is no longer unschooling and it will be something else at some point yeah yeah so I think you know again sort of releasing it as as an ideology and more like it's just relational it's just you know just uh, seeing my children as whole human beings and supporting them and who they want to be and um yeah and it doesn't have to have a label it doesn't have to you know we don't have to be part of some organization that all agrees on the same tenets or whatever um they can just be I think a word that that people have been using within the community within the self-directed community is that is emergent so it's like constantly emerging we're we're growing in our understanding of what this is and it's like redefining itself constantly and that's sort of like the beauty of and an organism instead of an organization yeah yeah I love that uh that idea that it's like always kind of shifting and changing and developing yeah as opposed to like mm -hmm. it's one fixed thing which I think we've been doing for quite a few years we've been we've been believing that it is one fixed thing and that some mm. things are not and some, some things are unspooling and it's all very and I mean, I'm I'm a fan of like definitions and understanding what I'm talking about, but I think maybe in this case, like it's more harmful than it is good, like defining unschooling so strictly, because like you said, like it's it's always changing and emerging. So mm -hmm. um, and I feel a bit like that about like consent-based education, which is like has huge overlaps, is probably kind of the same thing as unschooling in, in a lot of ways, but I think the reason I like that label so much is because it um, it's broader and and also there's so many elements to it and you don't have to be doing all the elements at the same time. Um, and it can happen also like in all sorts of settings. So it's not just what you do at home, but it can be like in like a center or the doctor's office or like, I don't know, even a school maybe someday. <laughs> So yeah. Yeah. So how would you define what that means to you? Um I think it's I I think it's uh consent based is like um an understanding of everybody's 
uh, ability to say yes or no uh, and come to agreements. Um, and also, but also at the same time, like a uh, building of a culture of consent, which has a bunch of elements to it, like uh, understanding power dynamics, boundaries, uh, non-judgment. There's a bunch of others that I've written about somewhere. Um, oh, yeah, so I think, cause I've been really like looking deep in, into it. And I think it, um, I think those two things have to be happening at the same time, like a um, way of making consent-based decisions, but also the building of the actual culture of consent. And I think I noticed that. I actually learned this kind of from my children because I, I noticed that it wasn't enough for me to say, you know, you're free to say yes or no, or to like agree to this or like we can, that wasn't enough. I had to create an entire environment where they felt that it was okay for them um to make free independent choices and I hadn't been doing that uh because I hadn't looked into all those things I hadn't looked into the power dynamics and how that can skew decisions right I hadn't looked into like our ability to understand where our boundaries are I hadn't looked into like self-consent which is like uh it's a concept that was um that Sophia Graham came up with um and it's all about us uh, getting in touch with ourselves and having a consent-based relationship with ourselves, uh, being in solidarity with ourselves, knowing what we even want uh, before we are then able to express it out in the world, right? And that resonates with me so much because I spent years not really knowing what I wanted. So um, anyway, I'm rambling now, but I think there's a lot to it. And I think also you don't have to do all the bits right. You know, you don't have to get it all right. You have to do it all perfectly all the time. So, yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you a bit about your new book, future book, because I know you work yes. on something and it's about unschooling. It is. It is. And it's been in the works for like years, <laughs> but it hasn't. Um, I mean, I... I've worked on it and it's it's getting somewhere, but um, definitely not anywhere near finished. But yeah, I think like after untigering, um, I didn't really consider untigering an unschooling book, although maybe it is. I mean, there's definitely overlap, but I wanted to talk specifically about unschooling. And so this next book is going to focus on unschooling and yeah, just explore different aspects of it and um share parts of my story um yeah so I'm I'm excited about it um but it's we'll see when it comes out <laughs> yeah I'm I'm super excited about it and I think you're right untiring was definitely more parenting and like your parenting journey and I think it can it can resonate with people who don't homeschool or unschool mm -hmm. Um, so yeah it's I wouldn't and I think unschool is considerate an unschooling book but if you're not yeah. you know an unschooler then you probably would consider it a parenting book um yeah. so yeah I love that now you're like moving on to like the next thing that's yeah yeah I really wanted to explore it because I do feel like unschooling in particular 
has sort of thrown me in the deep end of this consent-based parenting because it really required me to question so much of what I thought I needed to do as a parent, you know, because so much of parenting, especially in like the school age years, is about schooling and education and all of that. And so like, if, if you don't have that, then what are you really doing with your children at that age? And so it really, yeah, challenged a lot of my assumptions about, you know, how to be a good parent, how to treat my children and all of that. Um, Someone the other day, like in the school age years, like as parents, we become kind of like the school school's little enforcers in a yes. way, you know? So we were like somehow allied without knowing it with the school and like we're the ones that like enforce like schoolishness and living at home right and it's yes. a role for parents we shouldn't be doing that even if your children are in school you you shouldn't be the school enforcers like it's not it was never meant to be that um yes so I think it it changes you know if you do have children in school it does change when they go to school you take on this mm-hmm. Not really knowing like nobody's interviewed you for this position or like given you the role that's true that's yeah true. like if there's an issue they approach you like if your child isn't doing their homework or not you know or behavior issues they'll talk to you as a parent and then you as a parent are meant to like get your child in line um so yeah it definitely I think creates a lot of tension and parents often don't feel empowered to be their child's advocate in the situations they feel like they are the school's enforcer um, and they're meant to, you know, train their child, teach their child how to do well and survive in that system because that's all there is, you know, you just sink or swim, right? So you got to learn how to, to swim in that environment. Um, I think it's the so, adult, which is well, like the adults ally with one another. Mm-hmm. Like we always tend to, to unless we have thought about it, we tend to ally with the nearest adult against our child sometimes. So, like in the case of school, like we adult parents will ally with the school, not necessarily in our child's best interest. Like, or we think it is, but you know sometimes it isn't. Um, or like if there's another adult we tend to, I don't know, I've noticed, I noticed that I was doing this like years ago when another adult made a comment about my child, I'd kind of like laugh mm-hmm. and like, you know, be in like, have an understanding with that adult, even if that w- might be hurtful to my child. Um, so there's this kind of bias against like parents being, you know, choosing the the adult institution over the child, right? Which yeah. Is- Yeah, that probably has to do with our own fears and insecurities of like what what others might think of us if, you know, we don't get our child in line. And I think particularly with school that we there's there's a power dynamic there where we feel like schools have power over us and our children, like if a teacher you know, tells a parent to do something or like has this expectation, we feel like, yes, we need to do it when we don't question it. Um, So I think there's probably 
you know, some fear involved too. Like we're not going to push back because then they have power over my child to make my child's life miserable. So why would I do that? You know? Um, but yeah, we don't want to create trouble for our child sometimes by telling them to rock the boat or push back. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then you become that parent as well. I mean, I've worked, I've worked in preschools and I, Sometimes the parents are, I mean, often the parents are just trying to do what's best for the child, but the the staff doesn't always see it that way. Um, so yeah, there is that. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I'm going to let you go, um, Iris. Uh, it's been such a pleasure, but I'd love for you to just say, um, to just tell people, I mean, most people will know where to find you, but just in case they don't, uh, just tell them where to find you on the internet, on social media, et cetera. Yeah, so you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Untigering. And then I also have um, a blog, which is just untigering.com. Those are the main places that I'm active. And do you have like a, you have like a, a membership? Yes, I do. So I do a one-on-one um, coaching as well as group coaching, where it's more like a support group, really. And we meet twice monthly. I, I just love that group and uh, have been doing it for like about a year and a half now. So you can find all that um, on the membership page on my website. Great. Well, thank you so much for, for chatting to me. Uh, it's been such a pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much, Francesca. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider rating, reviewing and sharing. It's an absolute labor of love for me. And uh, I would really love if I could reach more people with it. Thank you.